Hi, and welcome to episode 68 of No Crying in Baseball, the Super Bowl Sunday episode. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth, and she's wearing a Patriot shirt, surprising no one. I am so looking forward to celebrating the annual end of the Patriot season. That's what today is. It's going to yeah. end their season regardless. You realize that. Yeah, but, but this is the day that the Patriots end their season every year. Most years uh, of the past decade I or see. so. See? I see. Yeah, I do see. Okay, so for all y'all out there, Potty Mouth and I have this thing where we are the model of civil discourse. We tend to – some we often root for the same teams, no matter what the sport. But there are times – Super Bowl Sunday is sometimes that time where we pick different teams. Yeah, we're in Potty Mouth's basement. I'm eating Potty Mouth's food, drinking Potty Mouth's booze. So I'm a good guest – But also, in general, I think this is a good model to follow. We yell at the screen. We yell at the game. We don't yell at each other. Right? Exactly. And the volume can get up there once in a while, but it's all in good fun. Nicknames such as Potty Mouth emerge from such situations. Oh, hey, that's right. (laughs) The origin story. Although I I was instructed to, I'm not allowed to make any Tom Brady deflated football jokes today, which is disappointing, but I will hold to it because I want to be a good guest. It's so overdone. So overdone. You're going to be a little bit more creative now. Well, speaking of creative, there's some betting going on around the Super Bowl this year that I love. And because betting is soon to become a bigger part of baseball, you should know about this. There's a style of betting called prop bets, right? Or proposition bets. You may hear a cat. It's okay if you hear a cat. That's not potty mouth. It's potty mouth's cat. The cat is just here to add some atmosphere. We could have a prop bet about whether the cat will ever stop meowing during the recording of this episode. See, it's all like yes or no. It's kind of wild guess things. It's better than like an Oscar poll because there you have to maybe know a little something if you're going to win. Here it's, are the Patriots going to score a touchdown in in the first quarter? Yes or no? Potty Mouth, what box are you going to check? I'm going to check yes. Yeah, I'm going to check no because I don't usually. But anyway, so anybody can play. My favorite one on the list that I saw was timing the length it takes, the time it takes for Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem. Apparently the average is one minute, seven seconds. Will she go over or under? I'm totally going over. And I like how they do that in sort of a quantitative way, because you could say the quality of the national anthem, which has been discussed ad nauseum, but just to keep it on length, there you go. That's measurable. And this is also going to engage most of our friends who, for some weird reason, are not the sports fans that we and some of our immediate family are. Some, but they put up some with us our, so nicely. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. Again, we back to guys. civil discourse. So today on the actual part of the show that involves baseball and not football or Gladys Knight, we're going to talk about... Um, Arenado's new deal, arbitration deal, which is actually kind of record setting. We're going to express some gratitude for natitude. We're going to tell you how Jose Batista's bat flip from 2015 is still making news and this time making a lot of money. We're going to tell you about our Cleveland and Colorado boyfriends. And Patty Mouth's going to close with our Caribbean series update because we're going to the playoffs, man. This is it. This is the big deal. Woohoo. Let's start with Nolan Arenado of the Rockies. Nolan Arenado is sort of the bane of my existence because he always beats my Nationals boyfriend, Anthony Rendon, for everyone's favorite third baseman. Well, he's not my favorite third baseman, but he is awesome. He's truly awesome. There's no doubt about it. And the Rockies think so too, so much so that they signed him for a $26 million one-year arbitration contract. He said, I want $30 million. The Rockies said, we'll give you $24. And before they had to go to the hearings, which will start later this week, to actually have the arbitrator decide 
they agreed on $26 million. This is only the third time in history where there has been an arbitration, a one-year arbitration agreement for t- more than $20 million. The other two were last year, Josh Donaldson for $23 million and Bryce Harper for just a little over $21 million. Not bad company right there. Right? So they also really want to keep him. Right now, the Rockies have just entered their highest payroll year ever. One of the reasons is they have this new model that Charlie Blackman started last year, your boyfriend from last year. He had a terrific one-year arbitration agreement that very quickly turned into a contract extension for five years. So his salary for this year, based on that extension, is a big bucket of cash. So that plus Nolan Arenado's $26 million for this year are pushing their payroll up higher than it's been before. But the common knowledge, the uh, folks who are, are are knowledgeable in such things of how these contracts work out are pretty sure that the same thing's going to happen for Nolan Arenado. He's got this one-year deal. He's probably going to sign for five or six years because the Rockies really want to keep him, and we think he wants to stay there because it's home. And more on the Rockies really soon, so stay tuned if you're a Rockies fan. Right now, I want to give a little gratitude for our natitude. Our hometown, hometown nationals are doing well because – you know, what the fuck? We have one week till spring training, and look at the names that are still out there and unsigned. Harper, Machado, who I thought, you know, I'm not going to talk about those guys on this offseason, but they're still not signed. So it's at the point where we really do need to put them in the conversation, along with Dallas Keuchel, Kimbrell from the Red Sox, Marwin Gonzalez, who I don't know why he's not signed from the Astros. He can do everything. Mike Moustakas, it's crazy. Again, Moustakas, again, this is two years in a row where he's almost at spring training and unsigned. Right. And the Nationals played the offseason the way you're supposed to. They had needs. They needed to get a catcher, a second baseman, and some pitching. They spent money. They got good players, and they're really trying to win, which uh, Doolittle, one of our favorites, Sean Doolittle, is saying that's what teams are supposed to be doing in this article that we read by the Washington Post. And one of the cool things about making those decisions sooner rather than later is our local paper, our local sportscasters have all had time to teach the local fan base about these guys. I now know a bunch about Brian Dozier. They didn't know before because he's going to be our second baseman. Now I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I didn't follow Patrick Corbin before. He's going to be one of our ace starting pitchers. Now I know more about him because there's been time for that buildup for me to get excited about welcome these guys, welcoming these guys to my team. And I think there's something to to be said for team just gelling together for the other players to know what's going on. I mean, what the fuck? On the other end of the spectrum, I love my Red Sox and I don't know what to do because fuck them. They, they, They went for a bargain basement pitcher instead of signing Kimbrell, which has just been up in the air what's happening with Craig Kimbrell, their their reliever from last year. They just signed Henry Mejia who had a lifetime ban, a lifetime ban that was excused somehow. I'm not quite sure how that worked, but he had three instances of being caught with drugs for for drugs testing. Three. Three. And at that point, I guess the lifetime ban kicks in. But apparently there's an appeal process, which was just granted to him. So he hasn't played since 2015. He was pretty good then. He was on the Mets. He's played for a a few different teams, but last on the Mets with 28 saves. He's only 30 years old, so he's got some future for him. So the Red Sox, in seeing that he was let back into the league, I'm sure not that many people were knocking on his door, 
but they ended up with this $650,000 non-guaranteed minor contract. So he only gets the 650K if he makes it to the majors. He has a spring, you know, he doesn't even have a spring training invite. It's, It's totally, you're in the minors and we'll see what happens and maybe we'll give you some money. So they have basically nothing to lose, but their cred, like their reputation at this point. So here's my question for you. We have written off other teams like, oh, say the Astros. Now, granted, the Astros was for domestic abuse, but for things that just seem outrageous. How far do the Red Sox have to go for you to write them off? Because you seem really ticked about this, but I know this is just the one guy, one thing. It's so hard. And I kind of feel like, what do fans do when you're in this situation, when your team does something really shitty like this? And I guess, like, partly the sad line that I have to use as well, at least he's not an abuser. At least he's not a wife beater. That's bar is so low if that's where we have to go. And honestly, I haven't looked into the details of his drug use. I don't know what it was. I should examine it a little bit more before I totally write this guy off, but it's just a bad look. It's just a bad strategy. It's ugly for the Red A Sox. lifetime ban. Mm-hmm. That is not a lifetime ban. I mean, I also think we're playing a lot very fast and loose with some terminology around Major League Baseball these days, too. And the crappy thing is there are so many good pitchers out there that are being ignored. So Peter Moylan, who's a free agent right now, but most recently he was a reliever with the Braves, he tweeted, how's my offseason going? This guy had a lifetime ban and still signed before me. Hashtag WTF. That's what I say. Yeah, that's it's pretty ugly. And Potty Moth and I were just reading an article in the Washington Post that, about this situation that kind of leads you to believe there could be some labor issues happening soon. We're not going to talk much about that now. We're going to read up about it a little bit, but the players' union and MLB are both kind of screwed right now with the way. These, with the free agency has been working with these kinds of decisions. So it, it could it could get ugly before it gets better. I hope it doesn't. That's scary because I know Doolittle's pissed and there must be other guys that are pissed too. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me about something a little bit happier? I can. Do you remember back in the old days when the things that we would get angry about were just baseball players celebrating home runs? Ah, uh, the good old days. The good old days. So the most famous bat flip of all time is... Jose, Joey Bats, Batista, right? When he hit a home run in game five of the 2015 ALDS against the Rangers and his bat just took off and there was great rejoicing except for, oh, I don't know, the Rangers who took it personally and a lot of people who say, I'm sorry, that's not how we behave in baseball. Well, it turns out this bat flip was incredibly lucrative, not so much for Jose Batista, but just this week, The home run ball that he hit immediately prior to the famous bat flip was just auctioned off. There were 17 bids. The winning bid was $28,252. Do you know if it was signed, autographed, the ball? I do not have any information about that. Because it must just look like a ball. It would have been certified. (laughs) Usually they, you know, somehow those, those... Things get certified by somebody to prove that it is is really the thing. So this was like a private auction. So somebody just earned earned. Ha, somebody was awarded twenty eight k for catching a a home run ball in an important baseball game. So folks, bring your mitts because this could pay for your kid's college. Not that I'm thinking about that or anything. Bring her, then we'll be, we'll have a much better. That's shot. true. Bring She's the one who could actually mitt. catch the ball. Yeah. She could pay for her own college by that. We need to start sitting in the outfield. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To compare this to immediately after that bat flip happened, 
Jose Batista through the Blue Jays organization auctioned off the jersey he was wearing, apparently a champagne-soaked jersey that he was wearing because he helped them, you know, progress through the that round of the playoffs. They auctioned that off for almost that amount of money for $27,000. But in this case, that money went to the Batista Family Education Fund. So that all went for charity. So yay, Joey Bats, you're a good guy. And I wish we could stop talking about the bat flip, but it was kind of epic. I want to see more bat flips. Let's talk boyfriends. Boyfriends, this is my favorite part of our show where we talk about the guys that we want to hang out and have a beer with. We pick one from each team, the entire league, and this week we're starting with Cleveland in the American League. My guy that I'm picking for Cleveland is Leones Martin. He's a center fielder and he's 30 years old and he's from Cuba and he has a lot of interesting stories to talk about. In 2009, he played for Cuba for the national team in the World Baseball Classic, and then in 2010, he was smuggled out of Cuba. And we've talked about this plenty before with a lot of the Cuban players that we've picked as boyfriends. He was taken to Mexico in a speedboat. I can't even fucking imagine what that ride was like. That's far in a little boat. And when he was there, things were pretty tense between him and his smugglers. A almost like they were kidnappers. There was some statements about him being afraid that they were threatening attempted kidnappings. He was being moved from one place to another. There was some extortion involved. And it got to the point where he was fearing for his life. He spent seven months in Mexico. Finally, when the paperwork came through, he, he was uh, given a contract with the Rangers and told, walk over the border. And if you're Cuban, at that point in time, that works out. You walk over the border, you say, I'm Cuban, and there's an exception to the rule. That changed under Obama, so I'm not quite sure what the situation, how that works now, especially when we're talking about so many issues with immigration in this country. But he made it. He had a five-year contract with the Rangers to get started out from 2011 to 15. He debuted at my wonderful Fenway Park on uh, September. That would be September, September 2nd of 2011. And was kind of up and down in those years, had some hitting issues in 2015, and was trader, traded to the Mariners. Uh, in 2017, he missed part of spring training because there was a trial against the guys who smuggled him. Uh, apparently, these guys were smuggling uh, uh, several people, several MLB players, and not in the best of circumstances. So he testified against them. And it turns out that he, the part of the deal was that he was giving 5% of his salary to one of them and 35% to the other, theoretically. Lord. So he said, I paid a bunch of money, but I don't want to give them any more. And he talked about the conditions that he went through. He ended up not doing so well in 2017. And I'm wondering if it's connected to the stress dealing with the trial and the publicity around it. He was up and down into the minors, had some problems at the plate. He was always been known for his hot glove, though, and his defense. And he had a 90% fly rate catch, which was over the 84% league average. That's huge. Big jump, big jump, and tied for the league in MLB at that point. He was traded to the Cubs in August of 2017, and this is the best part. He debuted as a pitcher. Wait, you said he was a center fielder. He is a center fielder. So he gets traded to the Cubs. <laughs> the first game that he's involved with, they're getting slammed. They're down eight to nothing against the Pirates, bottom of the eighth, and they're like, eh. This new guy, I hear he pitched 10 years ago when he was 17 years old in Cuba. Eh, let's give him a shot. 
So he was actually psyched to do it. And he uh, ended up giving up a two-run home run, but he got the final two outs that he had to get to get out of the game. So go figure. And uh, he ended up going from the Cubs at the end of that year, that season. Wait, he couldn't make it onto the pitching squad? It didn't quite work out. (laughs) Although they clocked him at like 91, and he said he could have thrown harder, but he was afraid of the control issue and hitting somebody. (laughs) He didn't want to take out a teammate. (laughs) Go figure. He was a free agent at the end of the year. He was picked up by the Tigers in 2018. And in the beginning of the year, it was a little ro- rocky for him in a different way because he had a bad foul incident. He was he was leadoff, leadoff batter. What does a bad foul incident entail? Well, he fouled off the ball and it hit him in the groin. And I guess oh, he collapsed yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every guy on the field when that happens just goes, oh, man, and has the worst feeling for him. And the manager comes out and he said that he responded in his very high-pitched voice, like, <laughs> don't take me out. I want to continue this game. And then he got a home run. He no stayed way. in the batter's box. He that got same a home at bat? run. Same at bat. Lead off home run. And then it was a double header, and he said to the manager, don't even think about taking me out of the second game, and he got a home run in the second game. So a little bit about his tenacity. Okay, I, I, I love him. I totally love he's, him. He's a good guy. And believe it or not, so by the end of April of that year, 2018, he was the second most improved hitter in MLB. Because he no longer hit himself with the groin, but the <laughs> well, ball, again, the bar is low. I think we're looking at his, his 2017 numbers and when he was okay. struggling before. He finally got it together. Maybe the trial was over. His yeah. stresses got released. You know, wh- whatever. He... um became a U.S. citizen that, that year, also in 2018. And he was sworn in with Jose Iglesias, who's also a Cuban, in Comerica Park. And that's kind of cool to get sworn that's in in cool. a baseball park. Yeah. He was then traded, though, to the Cleveland team before the non-waiver deadline at the end of July, which we have talked about many a time. And he adapted to Cleveland really fast. He homered in his first two games at Progressive Field as a Cleveland player. He went five for 15 games... But you might think, wait, there are more than 15 games in August. Well, on August 7th, he felt ill after the game. No. Really ill. Ended up being taken to the hospital. And it was one of those deals where he's getting very ill. Nobody knows what's going on. It turned out to be a life-threatening bacterial infection. And it went to into his bloodstream and damaged some of his organs. Where does which that come why, from? And they, they don't know. They still don't know. I was trying That's to so find weird. like recent stuff on this. That's How did scary. this happen? It is. It's pretty freaky. It was just like out of the blue and he's ill and he's in the hospital. And his teammates and oh, for Terry Francona, you just got to love Terry I do Francona. in fact love Terry Francona. They all rallied behind this guy who had been on their club for a week. And they wore LM13 on their hats for his initials and his number And he was out the rest of the season. And I saw an interview with him that Trevor Bauer did, which actually, as much as I've talked shit about him, it was a very endearing conversation between the two of them. He has his moments. He had, yeah. This is one of them. And Martine said, you know, I just felt so desperate. I couldn't even walk. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to play again. And just that cycle of like bad thinking and depression. But he pulled through. They gave him a one-year contract in October, which I think is pretty cool because he didn't get cleared till November. So I am hopeful that next year all all these things are going to come together and he's going to have a breakout year with the Cleveland team. He has a lovely wife, Yamira, and uh, two kids, a daughter and a son who was born in 2016. And his father, Oscar, is also here with him. I think the Cleveland team is going to be seriously fun to watch this year. 
as soon as we finished recording last week and we identified that Cleveland was one of the teams for which we needed boyfriends, I told Potty Mouth, I'm claiming Jose Ramirez right now. Thank you very much. So I did. And so my boyfriend for the Cleveland team is Jose Ramirez, who's 26, who is listed as third third base, but he plays pretty much everywhere and anywhere, which kind of goes back to the last show we did. We talked about utility players being really important right now for a whole variety of reasons. He has a range of nicknames from Mini-Me, which is from back home in the Dominican Republic because of his stature. He never liked that one, but it has stuck and it it sticks with him to this day. He's listed with an official nickname of Enriquito. Enrique is his middle name. And yet all of the interviews that I read about him that involve anybody from the team, his teammates or Francona, they all refer to him as Josie. I like it. Sweet. Yeah. So Josie, Jose Ramirez, is from the town of Bani in the Dominican Republic, which is also Miguel Tejeda's hometown. So there's a good baseball pedigree from Bani, Dominican Republic. And his idol has always been Manny Ramirez. We both feel good about it, yeah? Yep, definitely. Yeah, we do. credit for that. Yeah, we do. So yeah, just remember Manny was with the Cleveland team oh, yeah. before the Red Sox. So we both have a little love for Manny. And uh, yeah, oh, Manny. Anyway, Jose Ramirez's story is much like other ones we've told where they've kind of been discovered by mistake. They were in a place where scouts were visiting to see other people, to evaluate other players, and they stood out. He was always a little guy compared to everyone else. So even though he was a good player, he was often told as a teenager, you're not going to make it because you're so small. Yeah, you're good, but you're too small. It's not going to happen. So he was invited to the showcase at the at the academy that the Cleveland team had in the Dominican Republic. So these showcases, you have the guys who are already in the academy playing guys from around the country that are coming to sort of try out, right? So you have two teams, the established guys and the new guys. So Jose Ramirez is part of this group, but he's 17. And in the Dominican Republic, Ooh. you tend to get signed when you're 16, So he was already kind of over the hill, right? Because they bring these guys into the academy pretty young. So he's there. He's playing in this showcase and say, oh, don't worry about him. Watch these guys over here. But the guy they weren't watching got three hits in the first game. Oh, yeah, that's fine. But don't watch him. Watch these guys. Second game, three more hits. So they started paying attention. But he was a little guy. And they said, "Eh, eh, we want to sign you, but we don't want to give you very much money. They ended up Signing him for $50,000. Talk about bargain basement. Absolutely. That's probably a lot for what his family had available to them in the Dominican Republic. But other guys, the average is more like $300,000 as what you get for signing there. Anyway, the Major League Baseball stats for for Ramirez list him as 5'9". Other sources outside of MLB say 5'7". So who knows? He's not one of the taller guys in the major leagues. He's also got kind of a, we'll call it a stocky build. He's not one of these tall, lean, muscular guys. In one interview, my now former boyfriend, Francisco Lindor, was asked, where does Ramirez's power come from? He said, oh, from his belly, which I like. It turns out they seem to be pals. His name comes up a lot in conversation among Cleveland players. The average player height and weight in Major League Baseball has been increasing by a lot over the last 20 years. It's like two more inches in height, 20 pounds in weight. I mean, these guys are bigger, stronger athletes than they used to be. 
yet you've got the Jose Ramirez, Jose Altuve, Mookie Betts, five, nine and under category who are completely lighting it up. And in fact, one article that I read said, if you combine the wins above replacement for 2017 and 2018 in the top four people in that list, three of them are Ramirez, Altuve, and Pookie, right? And part of the reason for all of these guys is they have excellent hand-eye coordination. They can read pitches. They can predict pitches. So they are great offensively because of what's above their shoulders, right? They can think this through. They are smart about the game. And definitely in Jose Ramirez's case, he's super fast, right? So he actually last year was the first guy to have a 30-30 season. Remember, that's 30 or more home runs, 30 or more stolen bases since 2012, followed shortly thereafter by our friend Pookie, Mookie Betts, who also did it last year. In prior years, before 2012, there was always one or two guys every year that did this, and then it stopped happening because stealing has kind of gone out the window as a thing that we do, although I believe it's coming back. The Cleveland team had that amazing winning streak in 2017 of 22 games, and a lot of people are kind of giving Ramirez the the most valuable player award for the for the streak for that that bit of time because he hit 423 and he had a 944 slugging percentage just in those 22 games, which is pretty darn outstanding. And also in that year, he led the American League with 56 doubles. Last year, he had 39 home runs and more walks than strikeouts, which is pretty great. And he's had all-star game, Silver Slugger, and Heart and Hustle awards in both those years, 2017 and 2018. Remember, the Heart and Hustle award is the official NCIB boyfriend award. And like our pal Bryce Harper, who we can bring up because we've decided to go ahead and talk about him in this episode, he has the great hair helmet flying off to show us the great hair syndrome. He's got like the golden dyed locks. He's got the curls, the whole thing. So when his helmet flies off, it's pretty impressive. And Terry Francona is quoted as saying, when his helmet flies off his head, it typically means good things. Good hair flow. And it happens a lot. So they signed him for a five-year contract. So he's with Cleveland until 2023, barring any other things that happen. And he talks about growing up eating his grandmother's salsa in the Dominican Republic. So now he has a deal where there's Jose Jose salsa in mild and medium. I kind of think they should have extra spicy based on what I've been reading about this guy. But the cool thing about this salsa brand is a portion of the proceeds go back to benefit the Cleveland Indians charities. I'm going to use that name because it's the formal name of the charities, which ends up with funding for the local schools in Cleveland, boys and girls clubs, and some other things. So yay for you using using your awesome salsa to raise money for the local folks. On to the National League. We've got the Colorado Rockies this week. And I'm going with David Dahl, center fielder, 24 years old, because you know what? He had me at Baby Dahl. (laughs) That's the nickname. I had to go with Baby Dahl. And it kind of fits because as a child, he was a crazy athlete. His dad said he could always hit from when he was the littlest and hitting off the tee when he could barely walk. He played on a team for 10 and 11 years old. Yep, 10 and 11 year olds. That's the way it goes. When he was only seven, so not even close. And at age nine, he was on this all-star team that won the Dixie Youth Baseball Series, which will make a lot more sense once I tell you that he is from Birmingham, Alabama. There we go. 
He was not just a baseball player. He played basketball, could dunk in eighth grade, and he played football as well. As a high school senior, he played on the USA baseball team for the Pan Am Games. Damn. And they won a gold medal. Damn. So this guy was good young. He was the first, a first-round draft pick out of high school, out of Birmingham, 10th overall, and he turned down a deal with Auburn. So a little shout-out here to El Jefe. Do we say War Eagle now? We say War Eagle we, now, right? We say, yeah, yeah. Is that all right, El Jefe? We're saying War Eagle for you. So he's from El Jefe's hometown and almost went to El Jefe's alma mater. But, you know, he got offered a $2.6 million bonus to sign and he did, and the first thing he did was he paid off his family debt. And his mom, who would always kind of complain that he wanted to get the best gloves and the best shoes, he finally got to pay back for that. And so it was worth the parents' investment. And he was in the Rocky system right away, but um, he had to learn some things the hard way, and then he had a lot of shit luck. So in 2013 in April, so he's still a baby right out of high school, he missed a flight. He just didn't get his shit together, and he was demoted a level from double A to single A at that point. That's harsh, but probably the right thing. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, tough love, right? You right, there's some basic what rules to you gotta follow, yep. Unfortunately, he really couldn't get his shit together to take care of himself because he tore a hamstring in 2013 and missed pretty much the whole season. He was good in the minors in 14, showing that promise, but then in 2015, he lost a spleen. How do you lose a spleen? Not paying attention to where you left it? Pretty close. Where, not, you, where was the last place you not, saw it? I don't not, know. Not paying Retrace attention. Retrace your spleen steps. <laughs> he missed his spleen. He was, he was not paying attention to what was going on. It was one of those I got it, I got it situations oh. in the minors, and he went to dive for the ball into the other outfielder's knee oh, and wow. uh, was brought to the hospital. And interestingly, so it was a lacerated spleen that they could have sewn up, but you really don't need a spleen. And the healing time for a taken out spleen is shorter than for a lacerated spleen. And he just wanted to get back on the fucking field. Take it. Take my spleen, damn so it. So you don't need that spleen. He did so well, though, in 2016 that he went to that Futures game that we love during All-Star Week. And he didn't hit, but man, he was good throwing in from the outfield. He was clocked throwing at 95.6 and 96.7 miles an hour. Needless to say... From the outfield? From the outfield. Damn. And he threw some outs at home that would not have gotten done otherwise. So he was called right up afterwards. And his first game was in July, uh, 25th of July, against Baltimore. And two days later, he hit a home run off of Dylan Bundy, which a lot more people did, I think. Now stop. Uh, sorry about that. Love those That Orioles. was unnecessary. Love those Orioles. In the, uh, so he's up there. In the end of 2016, as he's still a rookie, he had a 17-game hitting streak to start his major league career. Damn. And he was put in the leadoff spot in August. Got a home run in his first at-bat. But then the bad luck comes back. 2017, he played 19 games because... That's he, not long. Not much. Not much. He had a stress fracture in his rib cage in spring training. He tried. He came in in June played about a month, and they were just like, fuck this, you're shut down for the season. You're just, he was having back spasms, didn't work out. So last year, 2018, things are going to be together. He's back up. He has a good start of the season, and he fouls a ball off of his foot, 
broke his foot in June. He said this sucks, and he was out until the 5th of August. Well, considering the alternative of where one can apparently foul the ball, (laughs) the foot's probably not a bad choice. Yeah, these boyfriends of mine this week have one weird thing in common. Yeah, they do. He pulled his shit together, though. And the end of the season, if you'll recall, the Rockies were neck and neck with the Dodgers, and it actually came down to a tiebreaker game. And it was partly because of Dahl's boom. He was batting 333 in that last week of the season, hit home runs in six out of seven games, 15 RBI, and he was slugging 1,000. He was named NL Player of the Week. And then the postseason... And, you know, I think it's because he wasn't playing too much in the minors. He just cracked. He did shit in the postseason. And, you know, that Rocktober did not last very long. I'm hopeful for him this year, though, because his teammates have good things to say, including my ex-boyfriend, Charlie Blackman, said that he's a really good at ball-to-back guy and he's a great hitter naturally, but now he's adding in the knowledge. So he's starting to study, starting to understand how things work. Your ex-boyfriend, Trevor Story also thinks that he's wonderful. They were roommates in the minors. He was actually on the field during that tragic accident. And the three of them have something in common that they all got married in the offseason. Blackman and Dahl got married the same weekend and Trevor's story the weekend after. A little bit weird. Even Nolan Arenado says he's my kind of guy. His wife, very intriguing. She used to play tennis, semi-pro, I think, or college. But now she's in sports marketing and has done sports marketing for a variety of companies. So I sent her a little note on LinkedIn. I want to see if she <laughs> she responds there. You want a new best friend, don't you? She seems pretty cool. All right. Because she also started an Instagram account for their dog, Rookie, the Golden Retriever. Your dog is Check named Rookie? You got to check out the Instagram. Okay, it's I the love the cutest them. golden retriever pictures ever. Your daughter will totally love Rookie them. Rookie is an excellent dog name. And he's doing good things. I checked out his Twitter, and his recent tweets included visiting schools and hospitals and speaking to student groups at the University of Colorado, Denver. So I like baby doll. I feel like I'm cheating with my new Rockies boyfriend because he's not even on the roster yet. I'm kind of picking him on spec because last year he was with the Nationals. Yes, I'm talking about Mark, as we call him, Mark, not Matt, Reynolds. Last year at the beginning of the season, we had Matt Reynolds playing on the Nats, and then he disappeared. And then this guy showed up, and his name was Mark Reynolds. And we said, wait a minute, that's the wrong name. You mean Matt. But no, it's Mark. So the whole rest of the season, we cheered for him as Mark, not Matt Reynolds. He is not on the roster yet with the Rockies because he signed a minor league deal as a 35 year old as a 35 year old thank you i didn't mention that so he's but, that makes it, wow. but he so he was first base mostly for the nats the common knowledge is he would probably play first base for the rockies he was a rocky not too long ago the rockies fans love him the rockies sports writers all say oh yeah he'll be here he'll be playing from the bench he'll be he'll be playing first base so they all believe he'll be there but his contract says you are on the minor league team, you are invited to spring training. If you make the team, your salary will be a million dollars with additional money available for bonuses if you make the team. I'm betting on Mark, not Matt Reynolds, because I love him. He is a journeyman. His journey started in Pikeville, Kentucky. I don't know if that's why his nickname is Sheriff. It's kind of a, I don't know, but he was born in Kentucky, but he moved to Virginia Beach early enough 
to be part of that crew that we've talked about on other shows where he played on a, on a travel team with Ryan Zimmerman, boyfriend Justin Upton, former boyfriend David Wright, right? So this was, you know, high school years, teenagers, incredible guys together on the same team. When he was in high school there in Virginia Beach, he was a four-year letterman in baseball, basketball, and golf. That romantic sport. Yeah. I, I Golf just seems like, you know, a weird a weird sport to add him, but go ahead. That's okay. I it's like, a swing. I like, it's, it's a, a cross. Swing. It's a swing. That's there true. I wonder work. if that would screw up with your baseball. It didn't screw up his baseball swing. That is for sure. He then went on to the university of Virginia where he played again with Ryan Zimmerman. He was drafted by the diamondbacks in the 16th round in 2004. Yep. 2004 people. He's old. I love him. Let me list the gate, the teams he has played for in order. Are you ready? Diamondbacks, Orioles, Cleveland, Yankees, briefly, Brewers, Cardinals, Rockies, Nationals, and now back to the Rockies. That's a lot. He also has an unusual set of statistics. His error rate is a little high, but the notable statistic is he led the league in strikeouts four straight seasons, 2008 through 2011. But his home run totals have had him as high as fourth in the league more than once. So he's a home run hitter and the king of strikeouts, both of those things. Those strikeouts and some of those errors and a couple of on-field bloops led baseball prospectus to write this story back in 2013 that I just read today. And it's a parody And it's so convincing that I kept saying, no, yeah, no. Their premise was the greatest baseball hoax is saying that Mark Reynolds can actually see. They said, nope, he's actually blind. You can get away with playing baseball blind because so much of it is so predictable. You don't actually have to see part of it because you get verbal cues from your teammates. You... You know, if you have, if you're a good predictor of pitchers, you know where the ball is going to come. And yet he's had weird hit by pitches. Like, how could he not, how could he have not gotten out of the way of that? So many strikeouts. And the last bit that the author of this story wrote was the real reason you know that he's actually blind is look at how many times he's collided with an umpire <laughs> because you can <laughs> predict big. where the other, other players are, but you don't know where the umpire is standing. YouTube was full of Mark Reynolds hitting umpires, but he's a terrific player. He's got a good attitude. He works hard. He's played for all of these teams. He's going to keep going. He's 35. He's like, yeah, sure. Sign me as a minor leaguer. I know I'm going to make your team. I'm going to be coming off the bench. I'm going to be playing first base for the Rockies. You just watch. He won me over completely at a game that I witnessed at Nats Park. Potty Mouth was there. My kid was there. It was the most amazing thing I ever saw. Totally won me over. Against the Marlins, he went five for five with two home runs, a double, and a career-high franchise-tying record, 10 RBIs, when the Nats went on to beat the Marlins 18-4. to And I didn't even mind that RBI record tied my Anthony Rendon Nationals boyfriend's record from the year before. 
it was spectacular. He was also good in the field. And at one point they moved him from first to third and we thought, is there anything the man can't do? It was so much fun. And I hope he's going to have that much fun playing again for the Rockies. The Rockies fans seem to be pretty excited to have him back. He's married to Kathleen. They have two sons who are both in elementary school who are both ball players. And you know, Mark has spent a lot of time in the offseason wondering where he's going to be signed for the next year and what he does during that time off. He coaches his kids' baseball teams for as long as he can. So I think I love him. I can't wait to see him play for the Rockies. Congratulations, Colorado, for getting him back. I think he's going to do well for you, and it's going to be fun to watch. By the time you hear this podcast, the Caribbean series has already started, so get your ass in gear and watch it. It is happening in Panama which was not the original plan. It was supposed to be in Venezuela. Panama wasn't even one of the options last we talked, was it? It wasn't even one of the places we were looking at picking teams. It wasn't even in the series. It was supposed to be Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Mexico and Cuba and Venezuela. Well, if you've been reading the newspaper, you know Venezuela isn't the place where anybody wants to be traveling right about now. So they were looking for new options and Panama got their shit together, basically. And if you offer your house up, you get to go to the party. So <laughs> Panama now gets to play. They haven't played in 59 years in the Caribbean series. When the series started in 1949 to 1960, Panama was in it. It was just four teams. Panama, Cuba, Venezuela, and Puerto Rico. And the, in that time, Panama hosted three times Cuba won all three. So we've got to keep our eye on Cuba. Panama has only won once, and they won the second year that the series existed in 1950. After 1960, everything fell apart because Cuba Revolution, the series stopped for 10 years, Cuba wasn't involved for a while, but here we are back in present day, and we have two groups, Grupo A y Grupo B. In Grupo A, we have Venezuela, Cuba, and Panama, and even though I hear really good things about Cuba, I've got to stick with Venezuela. We've been with the Cardenales de Lara all along. We're pulling for them because they lost two of their players in that tragic accident this year, Jose Castillo y Luis Valbuena. And even though Astudio, who I've been really enjoying watching, he's not going to be able to play. The twins aren't letting him play, unfortunately. They've got seven subs who are coming in, so I say Venezuela. Wait, wait, hold on for one second. Now, last week we said the MLB wasn't going to let their players play because it was going to be in Venezuela because of danger. But now it's in Panama. What's up with that? I am not too clear. I don't know if it's a team-by-team team thing. I'm trying to get the intel on this. I know that Astudio is out. I don't know about the Dominican team, which is what we'll get to next in Grupo Bay. So I don't know if it's if it's players that are just currently in the majors or if it's anybody in the system. I'm hoping we get to see some of the prospects because in Grupo B, we have Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and Mexico. And I've got to pick the DR because we have a current boyfriend there, Fernando Tatis Jr. His dad is managing. I've been really enjoying watching the Estrellas Orientales, but I don't know if Tatis is playing or not. I really hope so. So those are my picks. It's tough. We did really well last time. Every team we picked made it to the finals. So that's pretty exciting. Potty Mouth is very generous by saying we when it really it's all Potty Mouth all the time with these picks. I'm pretty impressed. But I'm going to drag you into watching some of these games. I would love to. At least the final next week. You can watch these games Monday through Friday on ESPN Deportes, I believe, 
3 p.m. and 8 p.m., Saturday, 1 p.m. and 7 p.m., and next Sunday, big final at 4, which we'll watch right after we record next week. The only day I'm unavailable for that, except for, of course, the fact that I work all day, so I'm going to miss the 3 o'clock games, is Thursday because my kid, my kid turns 18 Holy Toledo, 18. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So I'm taking her to a hockey game. So I'll be doing a little cross training next Thursday night. But other than that, it's all baseball. And next week, we're going to be telling you about our Oakland and our LA Dodgers boyfriends. And we're going to be thinking about spring spring training because it's really soon. It's really soon. Pitchers and catchers tell us. Eight days. No. Eight days till spring training, eight days, eight hours, 20 minutes, and a mere matter of seconds from the time of this recording. Wow. You're going to fill your days till then with watching the winter leagues for the, the Caribbean series. Maybe you'll do some cross training, and I hope you'll be subscribing to our podcast, leaving a review, telling your friends about it. And until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. 